What's up, everybody? Joining me today is my best friend and co-host, Bryce DeWitt. Hello, my good chap. And joining us for the very first time on the show is Tom the Robot. Hello, Drew and Bryce. Thank you for having me on your program. <laughs> no worries at all, Tom. Uh, now, just to, just to introduce yourself, uh, what do you do and what is your favorite Nintendo game? Wow, okay, this is hard. So I work as a security robot in the future for a corporation I will not speak of here. It's a hard job, but it's also rewarding. As for Nintendo games, I really don't like them. I have just come onto your podcast to spread my message of world domination to your wonderful listening audience. Drew, do you think bringing a robot from the future on the show was a good idea? Hmm, at the time it seemed like a good idea. But with all the talk about world domination, it all seems a bit odd. Let's just see where this goes. Alright. Also, boys, Super Smash Bros. is a bad game made for silly billies. That makes the two of you the silliest of billies. <gasps> That's it, we're bringing on Stealth. I've always loved following him on Twitter to hear his thoughts on the world of Nintendo, and this is a perfect time to sit down and have a chat with him. Hit the eject button. No 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 Coming up next, Stealth 40k. What's up everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the award-winning Nintendo podcast on the 8-Bit Collective and the doors to episode 87 are open. I'm your host Drew Agnew and joining me as always is my co-host Bryce DeWitt. He nailed it. He nailed the intro on one take. Absolutely. And joining us for the very first time on the show is Stealth 40k. How are we going, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. No worries. Uh, just for those who don't know you um, in the Nintendo community, whether it's on Twitter or elsewhere, um, just uh, introduce yourself a little bit. Sure. So, um, primarily people would know me from Twitter, where I just talk about Nintendo and JRPGs, and I also do a lot of um, guest spots on different podcasts and YouTube channels around the internet. And yep. um, yeah, I'm very happy to be on. Awesome. You, you're in your Twitter bio. It says global market researcher. So that that's your day job. Is that outside of the video game industry, or is that sort of uh, merge inside the video game industry? Generally, it's outside the video game industry. But sometimes I have clients inside the game industry. But that's a little bit more rare. <laughs> yeah, I was just I was just wondering because you've got like you've always got a uh, big opinions on Nintendo games and. All of that. I was just wondering if that sort of leaked into it. Unfortunately not. It would be great if Nintendo hired me to yeah, do some work yeah, for them. Absolutely. And this is just a question I always ask the guests as well, to sort of uh, get a bit more, know a bit more about their gaming tastes. Uh, what is your favorite Nintendo game? I know that's sort of a, a big question uh, to ask, but just off the top of your head, what would be one of your favorites? Well, honestly, in the last couple of years, I'd have to say Xenoblade 2 on Switch Hallelujah. has been one of my favorite <laughs> Nintendo games. It really has. Yep. Which actually says a lot about me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's one of my favorite games on that console. I absolutely love it to death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, I might have guessed that just by looking at your Twitter feed. You're always talking about uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, um, it's one of Bryce's favorite games. He's always talking about it. And it's one of those games where I'm like, it's a bit like Persona 5. I keep on putting it off because I know how long it is. And I really, yeah, it's an extremely re- long game. Yeah. I really love it. I've, um, well, I love the look of it. And I've played about maybe two hours, but then I know how much time I've got ahead of me, and I'm thinking about all the, not the new stuff coming out. And what uh, what draws you to it? Is it sort of the story, or just 
you love that sort of turn-based type of gameplay? Yeah, the story was great. Um, the gameplay I find really quite addicting. Um, I've replayed the game twice now, and the second replay I saw things that I never even saw in the first play, and I put 150 hours into it the first time. So it's a game wow. where, you know... There's just a, a ton to see. Yeah, you get definitely get your money's worth. Bryce, what what what's your uh, what would be one of your favorite things about Xenoblade Chronicles Two? The thing about Xenoblade Chronicles Two that a lot of people didn't get on launch was uh, the combat's a lot more intricative than uh, it seems at first. A lot of people sort of just go into battle, hit A, and then let them do the auto attacking. But then there's auto attack cancelling. You've got orb combos, stacking up orbs for a chain attack to unleash full combos and stuff like that. Like there's just and the amount of customizability when you get to the end game goes goes far and beyond what you want it to. You can get uh, units up to a point where you can solo the super boss, for example, with just one character and one blade, and just like completely destroy the game. <laughs> and it's it's I didn't discover Xenoblade until really late on closer to the release of Xenoblade 2 and I really enjoyed the first one. And I feel like this one added onto it. The story might not be as good. But the gameplay is a lot better, in my opinion. But in saying that, I just uh, I just want to uh, clarify: you could spend eighty hours on a Pokemon game, but you can't spend eighty hours on a new JRPG. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it, like it is just one of those things where I'm like, I will find the time if I really enjoy it. I think it's just you and JRPGs, man. Just me and JRPGs. You reckon I'm allergic? You reckon that's I, the... I, I, think, I think you make yourself allergic. I think yeah, yeah. you really def- need to dive in. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a mindset. I know. It's just like you're, you're sort of scared to yeah jump in. Mm-hmm. Then like something like Pokemon comes out. I'm like, yes. Then yes, I'll just- put 80 <laughs> hours into that. How, yeah, ma- even how many like- hours did you put into Let's Go? Uh, it, yeah, about that. Yeah, Jesus. And that's only, le- that's only Let's Go as well. Yeah, that's like the third or fourth time you played played Kanto fresh yeah I love Kanto <laughs> actually just just going off of uh, Pokemon Stealth uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield were announced a couple of weeks back and uh, there's been a few a few rumours going, going around on uh, was it was it Reddit that uh, someone guessed Pokemon Sword and Shield the name and they also guessed another couple of things including Armored Evolutions which has been trademarked by Nintendo uh, a couple of days ago so it does look like these Armored Evolutions are going to be Legit, going to be real. Just going between uh, you guys, what what do you think the Armored Evolutions might look like in Sun and Moon? Oh, not Sun and Moon, <laughs> Sword and Shield. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably will be more like Mega Evolutions in, you know, X and Y, where, you know, you, you can go to like a stage four kind of thing. And, you know, I think uh, hopefully they'll look really awesome. That's, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Look, in, in the art, it shows um, Charizard from... Was it? Is it the uh, other? It's the other. Uh, what's that mod for Brawl Court again, Bryce? Just remind me. Other M. Yeah. No, not other M. Um, yeah, that's what I was Project about to say M. too. Yeah, Project M. Uh, it's just like the art from that. It'd be interesting to see like if these armored evolutions, whether they like at the moment they're being represented just like they've got armor on from like medieval times. But it would be interesting to see if they like what they actually turn into. Thinking back to Mega Evolutions, I think it's really cool that they're able to redesign Pokemon in that. But it kind of, I think it sort of not really complicates it, but sort of adds a bit too much to the Pokemon battling system. I feel like it's just uh, like, because there's a lot of Pokemon that miss out on these evolutions. So they sort of in some ways become a bit unusable, but what what do you guys think about it? I don't really know. The problem the problem with um, having evolutions per se is that they already ditched Mega Evolutions in favor for um, Z moves, 
Like that that that's something they tried to do. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly kind of frustrating that they're gonna go ahead and make another one and then you have to consider the rule sets if you're ever playing competitive again and it's just like, Oh, you can have one mega evolution, one armored Pokemon and one Z move on your team or some shit. Like it's just <laughs> it's too much in the same barrel sort of thing. I think they just should have just stuck with mega evolutions. I don't have a problem with mega evolutions in general. I just think it's silly to make several different kinds yeah. that sort of intermingle in a battle. It's it's getting a bit too much. Um, I mean, I already have semi-medium expectations for this game anyway. Like, I'm really excited. But considering how Sun and Moon turned out, at least for us, I, I want it to be great. But hearing something like that kind of just makes me go, oh, God, what's that going to do yeah. to the game? It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they keep Mega Evolutions and Z-Moves and Armored Evolutions. I think they'll get rid of the other two, you would think. Well, but, they, they can't get rid of them now. They have to keep yeah. them. But it's just it's just kind of a case of how many of which you're allowed on the team and all that. Yeah, stealth. What did you what did you think of Sun and Moon? Like, just to catch you up on um, us two, we we were sort of disappointed just in the uh, like sort of the exploration aspect of the games and like the post game how it sort of, it was a bit lackluster. Uh, what did you think about those ones? Yeah, um, you know, I actually did like the games a lot, but you know, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of this series, so it'd be hard to not make a game that I wouldn't like. But, um, you know, I, I felt like a lot of the problems in Sun and Moon were kind of taken care of in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. And then those are some of my favorite Pokemon games ever. So, you know, my problems with Sun and Moon were, were honestly more about some of the Pokemon design type choices than, than, than anything else. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, w- what Pokemon stands out to you that would sort of bother you? Well, it's not one Pokemon in particular, but there, there, there weren't a lot of, like... I'm a big fan of, like, the, the three evolution Pokemon. I don't really use Pokemon that are just one evolution, you know, yep. or, or even two. And, you know, there weren't a lot of those. And, you know, I, I'm a big dragon Pokemon kind of guy, and I didn't find... I think there there was one that I that I really liked. And, honestly, there weren't many dragon Pokemon at all, so... Yeah. Oh, there, there was a, a Lolan Executor. He was, he was cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't use him. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a weird dragon. Like, how is how is he a dragon? I guess uh, if you put, he would look like a dragon if you put like a dragon head. He's got the big long neck and everything. But that's all right. They need to introduce giraffe type, and then we can get him <laughs> right in. All right, giraffe type. What what would be super effective against giraffe type? Oh god, I don't know. Rock. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so yeah, is it will be interesting to see what these things turn into. It's a bit hard to sort of speculate just off the name alone, but I assume it's going to be something similar to just Mega Evolution where it changes the form and their stats essentially just go up. But moving on to just Pokemon Sword and Shield in general, uh, what, what did you think of the reveal a couple of weeks ago? Were you happy with what you saw? Yeah, I, well, I, w- I got more than I expected out of, out of the reveal because, you know, for X and Y, I think it was... It was around like a seven-minute direct as well, but they spent six minutes of it in this like historical look back at Pokemon, and then like mm. 30 seconds of it was the new Pokemon and the name. I don't even think they showed gameplay. So I was pretty happy that they had a pretty in-depth trailer. They showed the starter Pokemon. They had the names. So I actually think it was rather successful. And, you know, I really like the look of the region. Um, You know, I think it's cool. And I also like how some of, you know, the, the cooler cities are sort of at the top of the map, so you kind of have to get to them. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I I love the look of the countryside too, like the English countryside. I'm actually playing a lot of... uh, I just started playing a lot of um, Forza Horizon 4 on Xbox, and that's based in the UK as well. And it's got like a very... 
very similar look, just um, just like the beautiful country landscape. But yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward to these games. It's going to be, like I said before, it's going to be a long wait until these come out. And uh, yeah, can't, can't wait. Bros. Yes. Hello, sir. So, <laughs> Square Enix is bringing Octopath Traveler, an Octopath Traveler sequel to iOS and Android. Yeah, I saw that last night, yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be, obviously, uh, Octopath Traveler has done well enough to get a new game. It's shifted 1.5 million copies on Switch, so... It's a, a franchise worth keeping an eye on for Square Enix, so now they're putting it onto iOS. On, Bryce, I know you played a lot of Octopath Traveler. I played a fair bit as well, and Stealth, I would imagine you absolutely smashed smashed this game probably a few times. Yeah, I uh, played a lot of Octopath Traveler. I think I put like 300 hours into the game between a yep. couple playthroughs. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, I really, really loved it. Um, and yeah, if, if they didn't announce like a console game with this mobile game, which doesn't look great, honestly, I kind of wish... They did like a $15 kind of DLC thing for the original game. Um, I would have been annoyed. I don't know whether this is going to be a paid game or like a free-to-play game, but I think I think the game can work fine on mobile. Obviously, it's going to be a lot more better for us and the audience for listeners to this. They have it on Switch and you can you can put it on your massive TV and you can just you know take it off and grind on the couch while playing something else. But it'll be, um, yeah, it'll be good to uh, see this franchise sort of thrive and hopefully it gets into more hands of people who might not own a Switch and the series can continue from there because Square Enix going back to these sort of old school RPGs is really good to see. For a long time, they didn't really do it that often. Now they're going back, they've got the uh, the RPG factory team churning out these games and they've got this team uh, making these games, which was a big success on Switch. So It's actually a good happy. question for you, Stealth. Just uh, just sort of riding on it, because obviously I'm I'm big on the JRPGs as well. I love seeing them on Switch. I love putting like an endless amount of hours into them. JRPGs is probably what takes up most of my time. But in the case of Nintendo moving to the mobile market with Octopath Traveler, that kind of makes three sort of Japanese uh, RPG-type games on uh, on the mobile platform from Nintendo being uh, Dragali Lost, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes, and now Octopath Traveler as well. I'm a very big advocate for somebody that wants something a little more from Dragali Lost on the Switch just so it fleshes it out more and sort of less less folk being a new Nintendo IP it's it's pretty it's pretty critical for me to be sort of like well it's a new Nintendo IP it's a JRPG it should be right up my alley and while I while I do like it like I would really want something like that on the Switch do you think that this will sort of become more of a norm now for Nintendo to start putting those sort of anime JRPG type games on their mobile platform or do you think we'll see a return to them to the switch because honestly right now it feels like we're getting less less on the actual console and sort of getting more focus on the mobile platform for those kind of games yeah i mean it's an interesting thought i'm, I'm not sure i necessarily agree that we're seeing more jrpgs on mobile than the switch because which is from nintendo ton, specifically but, oh but yeah. um for dragalia lost I, I think that's gonna stay on mobile i, I don't think that's gonna come to switch and, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see, like, a Mario RPG on mobile before we see one on Switch or a new Xenoblade or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that in the case of Fire Emblem, honestly, I think that was kind of lightning... I think that was more of like a case of, like, lightning striking, you know, for them. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think even they expected it to be as successful as it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clearly 
the console game like is the focus now oh yeah yeah for sure i mean i really like fire emblem heroes i think it's gonna i, I think it's got a really unique story and the fact that it, that they're updating it in uh, sort of book type sequels like they sort of did with avatar the last airbender sort of thing i think i think that's really good for fire emblem because it's got sort of an ongoing counterpart um it's very simple but i would love to see that game moved over to switch just for especially considering what happened with um god i can't even remember it now because i didn't play it pokemon Pokemon Quest. That's it. Like, I'd love to see those games moved over to there. If if just for the sake of availability, like, I don't always want to play that kind of game on uh, my mobile. I'd like to sort of just flick through it uh, while my Switch is in handheld or something like that. Yeah. I feel like um, I feel like they... Pokemon Quest obviously got it, so I'd like to see those games moved over just for the sake of having the collection. Because Pokemon Quest, I think, is the only one... Oh, and Super Mario 1 uh, are the only two uh, Nintendo games I don't play on the mobile platform. And Pokemon Quest is available on both would you want to see uh sort of move over these games onto switch in some form like they did with pokemon quest or i mean i wouldn't oppose it i just probably wouldn't play them myself honestly which is fair like yeah. I-, I get that they're not for everyone but i just think like with dragalia at least it's a new nintendo ip i'd really like to see more of it because the the world and the story is sort of intriguing and i'd hate to see that ip just sort of get lost to the mobile sphere uh especially with the problems it's had with country availability in the last six months it's only sort of just come to australia and i've been smashing it out since then Mm. i've been really enjoying it but i'd love to i'd love to not have to rely on my mobile phone which i use for literally everything else to play the game yeah because like with pokemon quest i wouldn't have played it if it didn't come to switch yeah, exactly. Like, if it was just on mobile, it would be like, oh, yeah, whatever. But at, at the time, it was like a great game just to sort of pick up and just put on my second monitor, have like my Pokemon just doing whatever they're doing. And I'm like on the computer, maybe editing something or whatever it might be. It was like a great sort of just little bit of a distraction. Whereas on yeah. my phone, if it's just on my phone and like I've got it, like I've, I've got to do other things, like I might be listening to a podcast or on social media, like whatever it might be, it just it just wouldn't have happened for me. So I was glad it came to Switch. So I, I see I see what you mean, Bryce, where you're like Dragalia Lost would be great on Switch because you know then you've got your phone free essentially. Yeah, yeah. Like having having a dedicated gaming machine is is great for not wasting your phone battery and having it free for like a phone call to come through or whatever it might be. Well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, if I'm if I'm out and about and I want to play Dragalia Lost sort of thing, I know that I have to rely on my mobile phone. Yeah. So it'd be great that I wouldn't have to like sit at home, waste my battery, or keep my phone on charge twenty four seven until I have to go out, and then hope that my battery survives the day. I could just play it on my switch. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, guys, we'll move on to a fairly big new story that came out last week. So a new Nintendo Labo kit has come out, or has been announced, and it's a Labo VR. And everyone on the internet, you know, got got a. Uh, Got on their high horse and said, "Oh, this is going to be an awful experience having this uh, ten or oh, having this third seven, butt attached to your face." Yeah, this 720p uh, screen right up to your face. It's going to kill our children. You're going to be putting your eyes into a bird's bum and all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just wondering, like, what what uh, your initial impressions were, Stealth? Whether you think this is a, a good move for Nintendo to sort of try and get into, well, not get into the VR scene, but sort of have it represented in a little way. Or, or if you think this is a, a wrong move. I mean, I don't think it's kind of good or bad yet. It's kind of remained to be seen. You know, I've never been a huge fan of Labo, although I do see its importance and kind of, like, benefit in that kind of edutainment space, you know, where they can get into schools with this kind of stuff and make maybe make VR a little bit more accessible. 
maybe mm. teach people about it. And the fact that the kit's only forty dollars, which I believe is twenty dollars less than the than the original kits were, um, you know, it'll be interesting. Um, you know, it's not something I'm interested in, but you know, it it won't hurt. Yeah, like I I, I wasn't interested in the, in the first Labo kit, but I was like, oh, I want to be able to talk about it on the podcast. So I actually went and bought a kit, and they're pretty expensive over here. They're a hundred dollars for the initial variety pack. And I think I built like the little bug that vibrates around the table, and <laughs> I just I didn't have it in me to like build the rest because I don't I don't have kids or anything like that like, <laughs> so it's just purely for my enjoyment. So after that, I'm like, all right, so Labo isn't a thing that is going to be really talked about on this podcast unless unless Bryce's uh, kids get into it when they're a bit older, then uh, he can uh, talk about folding up the cardboard and strapping his switch to <laughs> his eyes and all that. <laughs> but I think it, I think it's a fun idea. Um, like a lot of people are poo-pooing it, but like, oh, you know, the specs aren't there, and like compared to PlayStation VR and all that, and I think it's just ridiculous if you're comparing this to like an actual headset. It's just just comes across really silly to me. It's not like Google Cardboard hasn't been done before. Exactly, exactly. Like we, this isn't the first cardboard VR. No, and and like a lot of contention is the screen that it's at seven twenty p. And like, yes, that is going to look pretty ordinary up to your face. But at the end of the day, it, this is this is just a, a little toy for you know kids to play with. And hopefully, the cardboard doesn't fall off their face and smash your switch. But I guess that's a, that's another problem. Don't don't get me wrong. I still think it's kind of silly in a way that um, I, I know I know that it's not meant for my age group as well. But I feel like Labo is that type of thing where as time goes on, it's going to lose its sort of reach with children mm. you can introduce these vr headsets now parents aren't going to want to strap into their kids heads so what are your audiences then you got older people that are really into cardboard for whatever reason <laughs> just into cardboard in general just love it just i just i just love cardboard hey th- 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 there are people out there that love scrapbooking love all this creative stuff so that's not a, that's not such a weird thing well no i'm not saying it's not <laughs> you, you're perfectly allowed to go ahead and enjoy your cardboard the way you want to enjoy your cardboard but just we're not. I don't know. I, I don't know what how far they're going to go with the like compatibility of these VR Labo, or whether that's just going to be restricted to certain games, like it was with um, most of the rest of the Labo kit. Unless you were playing a uh, Mario Kart with a steering wheel, a cardboard steering wheel. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. And the bird butt thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I think that's really funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny, but God, it's weird. I don't know what the game's going to be. You're just like looking at because, like, you've got like. You got the elephant right, and that's that's going to be the perspective of an elephant. You're controlling the trunk. You might be grabbing apples from a tree. You've got the gun. You're looking down the scope. You've like you've got these. You can you can imagine what the actual view would be. What is the view from the bird? It is just going to be feathers. Like <laughs> <laughs> I have no friggin' idea. I think whatever game they've got planned for that one is probably going to be the wackiest of the lot. And. Uh... Yeah, I, I think I'll I think I'll uh, give it a pass. So, Stealth, you don't reckon you're going to be putting your 300 hours into the Labo VR kit? <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on from Labo. So, this was yesterday uh, at the time of recording for us in Australia, but Stealth, today is Mario Day in the US. So, I would just like to take take the opportunity to sort of talk about our, our favourite Mario games just uh, just quickly. So, Bryce, we'll start with you. What's your favourite Mario game? Whether it uh, doesn't matter, sort of whether it's a main game, 2D, 3D, what's the first 
3D Mario, or what's the first Mario game that comes to your mind? Two come to my mind, and that's either Super Mario World or Super Mario Galaxy 1. Yep. I enjoyed both immensely. I I went through and 100% of them both. Those are the two Mario games I was 100% happy and never got bored 100%ing. The only thing that got frustrating, I guess, in Mario Galaxy was the, was the, the comets. Some of them were kind of uh, annoying, but it also never want never maybe never want to play Galaxy Two <laughs> for whatever reason. Yeah, I just yeah. if I had to pick one of the two though, probably World. World is like there's a lot of memories in World for me, and I think it's one of the better designed Mario games. A lot of people talk about oh Super Mario Bros. Three is the best one, and you know what you're you're entitled to your opinion, but I honestly think World has some of the greatest atmosphere in a 2D game and I think uh, some of the worlds are really cleverly designed and some of the stuff that's hidden in world as well like uh, the secret hill behind the boo house and the uh, second part of donut planes like that yeah yeah you know finding stuff like that when you when you're young that's that's nuts like I that's not something I researched on the internet it's something I tried found and I was like oh my god that's a thing mm. I remember the star world absolutely blowing my mind yeah <laughs> when, when like, we first found it it was just it was awesome and finding a lot of the secrets like Mario Bros. Three that has you know, that started it that gave us the um the world map and everything but Mario World really just blew it out of the park like put yep. put secrets in there and just just even like when you you know you left like the normal terrain on the world map and you went down the cave and like oh my god we're in a different area and like the the actual levels look completely different yeah and, and it wasn't just because you moved from World One to World Two where you just expected it, it yeah really cool and unlocking different abilities with different current Yoshi's. Color Yoshi's rather, you know, something like that was also uh, yeah. mind blowing as well. Knowing that I could have a Yoshi that could just make an earthquake under its butt, or a, yeah. you know, it was it was all good times. And that's something that never come back either in the um, two D yeah, games. It's kind of frustrating. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean they've got they've got the the baby Yoshi's, I guess, in the new Super Mario Bros. series that sort of do things. <laughs> sort of do, yeah. Like the bubble-blowing one and all that. But Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Stealth, what about you? What's uh, your favourite Mario game, if you have to choose one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have so many, but the one that, you know, always comes to my head first is probably Super Mario World for the SNES. That's always my favourite. Yeah, nice. Uh, what, what would be your, your reason for choosing that one over the hundreds of other Mario games? What's, is, does that one have I mean, a certain place in your heart? Or Yeah, I mean, I love the sprite work. It's probably my favourite look. You know, the levels are challenging. There's a lot of secrets. I, I just think it's a perfect game. Yeah. Absolutely, like uh, that. That's one one of the games where, like, a lot of you can sort of see the inspiration in some current indie pixel artwork games. Uh, I yeah, I just it's it's so timeless. Looking I mean, back the at thing it. is, the thing is with Super Mario World sprites as well too. Though is like a lot of like I said before, a lot of people sort of go on about Super Mario Three being the best two D Mario. But you you look back to the days when you know we used to get on Newgrounds or people used to be making content on YouTube yeah, and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. They would use they would use Mario World sprites. They were beautiful. They were beautiful sprites. It was fantastic. Especially like now in two thousand nineteen, we st- we still look back at it and go, what a nice looking game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah. a fun game with uh, like beautiful visuals and everything. And weird glitches that allow you to complete the game in 42 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, uh, for for me, I usually get hung up between Galaxy Two and Super Mario sixty four. But uh, I think ju- I think like just for like nostalgia purposes, sixty four still wins over Galaxy Two for me. This was back when I didn't own a sixty four. Um, I went went to my friend Adam's place all the time, and there, there was a bit there where you know I'll come through the door and be like, "Hey, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, good, good." And we're like, "Oh, what do you want to do? Do you want to play some games? You want to go on the trampoline?" I'll be like, "Oh, nah, can we play Mario." So, you know, we go into his we go into his bedroom and we play Mario and I'm just there like trying to collect the coins and prob- it was probably really annoying actually for him. He was like, "Oh, you want to do something else?" Like, "No, no, no. Um, I want to play Mario." And he's he would have probably finished it. <laughs> finished it a couple of times. He's like, "All right, I'm sick of this goddamn game." I like, "No, no, I want to keep playing." And then this was around the time maybe a year before the DS came out. And then when I got my DS and got to play uh have my own copy on the DS, Mario D- uh Super Mario 64 DS and be able to play it that way. It was really cool. Um, just thinking all, all of the worlds and the levels in it are so iconic. Like, just uh, Bob on Battlefield is one of the levels where I'm like, this is such a fun sandbox to be in and just jump around. Uh, a lot of the other 3D Mario games didn't really uh, do that as much. Maybe maybe Sunshine did. And obviously, Odyssey now, like it's just that game is designed to be a pl- playground. But, you know, going back to the Galaxy games, that was you know very linear. It wasn't uh, much of a sandbox and things to do. So, I, yeah, absolutely love that game. Bryce, what what memories did you have of, of, of uh, Mario 64? Oh, God. Too many to count for that one. At least six. The thing, no, well, <laughs> the, thing with, the thing with Mario 64, it was the first Mario game I'd ever personally owned. Nintendo 64 being the first console I ever owned. I would spend hours on that game and... This is the case with a lot of games like Benjo Kazooie, where I would spend a hell of a lot of the time just playing the game but never actually finishing it. Yeah. Just for the fun of it, I guess. When uh, video games were that simple, where you could just sort of have fun and not, <laughs> you know, have to finish it to be satisfied. But, you know, that's not like that. Yeah, put it on just to be in the world rather than yeah, aiming to yeah. finish it for a story or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like Barry 64 had one of the best worlds for that sort of thing. It, there was so much. There's so much variety in Mario 64 in the landscapes. The bosses, not so much. <laughs> they never really change that much. Yeah, yeah. Throw Bowser mm-hmm. into the bomb, then throw Bowser into the... bit further into the bomb. <laughs> and then throw Bowser into three bombs. Yeah. I don't know. There was just something about Mario 64 that always kept me playing, regardless of the fact of whether I'd... Uh, I'd gotten close to the end or finished it or whatever. I would just go back and play Mario 64 just to, you know, have fun. Especially as a kid, like I said, when I was five, I didn't really didn't really understand my pure objective goal. I mean, I knew I had to collect stars. So I didn't know how many I had to collect. I didn't know where they were. Nowadays, if you if you give me the star name, I'll probably find it in a click. Yeah. But <laughs> overall, it um, it definitely is one of my favorite Mario games. I don't think it's one of the best designed though, and that's one that's one of the uh, reasons it's hold, uh, holding back a bit yeah, when definitely. it comes like to my list. Like one of the first 3D games like back then. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I would have like yeah, I would have hoped the 3D Mario's have sort of advanced <laughs> and learnt more and become like more intricate in its uh, design. But yeah, it's just like mainly the nostalgia and like the music and everything like they just nailed for it. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah, and we've got a little bit of time left, so we might as well just uh, do our favourite Mario um, spin-off games. So, Stealth, we'll start with you. What would be one of your favorite spin-off games? You know, I'm a big fan of the Mario RPG games, and my favorite one of those is Paper Mario The Thousand-Year Door. Um, yep. The writing is, I think, one of the best jobs that Intelligent Systems has ever done. Um, it looks amazing. The gameplay is really good. There's a lot to do. It's just, it, has, it has the whole package. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, th- those Mario RPGs, just the writing is just phenomenal. Like... 
it it makes the game honestly yeah just in in sort of the more recent rpgs they've sort of most of the characters are toads rather than sort of original characters but yeah they are god i never <laughs> noticed that until you've said it just now yeah like, oh god so for some reason, it's just everything's a toad. That's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, did I just wreck the whole series for you? Like, oh my god, everyone is a toad. Oh. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. No, because one of the, one of the main draws to those games was the original characters, and like you know, I played Sticker Star. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And I know, I know that a lot of people had the complaints with that, and I'm kind of just like, it's not, it's not awful, but now that I think about it. Yeah, there's there's not a lot going on there with yeah. characters wise. It kind of leaves it uncharacteristic, just having toads everywhere. Uh, stealth. How how do you feel about the sort of the direction the uh, Paper Mario series has gone in? Like a lot of people don't like the sort of the less uh, turn based combat. So they've got em- emphasis on stickers and cards and that in the last couple. Are you one of the people that I really want them to sort of go back to those roots? I mean, I've enjoyed the newer games. Um, obviously, I like the older ones more. And yeah, I mean, I would if if they when they do a new one for Switch, I almost said if it's really a when because obviously they're they're gonna do it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I would like to see it as more of an RPG. I would too. Like I, I didn't. I played Stick Star, but after that, I wasn't interested in Color Splash just for just what I heard and just looking at like looking at it and just exploring the world and being in that world, reading the writing and everything. I love that, but sort of the um the progression and the the sort of combat is what sort of put me off. But yeah, I'd love to see see them go back to stuff like Thousand Year Door and everything on Switch. It'd be awesome. I would love to see Thousand Year Door on Switch. Mainly because I haven't finished it, but at the same time, because it is hailed as one of the best Mario RPGs. Mm. And I mean, if they can go back and remaster a bunch of Zeldas, there's no reason that they can't do it for, for Mario a couple of times. Yep. I think, uh, like, obviously, uh, when it comes to me, as you would probably know, that I, I wouldn't pick them over the uh, the other Mario RPG series simply because I'm, I don't know, I, I love Superstar Saga and I played a lot of um, Legend of the Seven Stars. Yeah, yeah. But Paper Mario, Paper Mario is very important to their little RPG economy um, because of the uniqueness of it, uh, without a doubt. Mm. And it would just be good to see, because obviously a lot of people weren't too happy with Splash and Sticker. It would just be good to see Paper Mario fans get something, even if it's just something that they know done up and just sort of brought into a new era make it look you know nice and clean yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe add some extra things to it i would love love to see thousand year door come to switch in that perspective yeah for sure uh, so bryce just quickly uh what is your favorite mario spin-off game look it's it's either mario kart or <laughs> yeah <laughs> mario rpgs I, I i can't i can't put smash in the same bracket because it's more of a crossover game yeah but mario kart obviously has a lot of general hold on me ever since i was a kid i'm very critical of every new mario kart that comes out whether it's good or bad sometimes sometimes i drop that criticism just going i'm having fun or um you know how things change gliders still suck drew you can you know you can hold that one to your grave i'm never going to change my mind on gliders look i'm i'm not going to take i'm not going (laughs) to die on gliders i just think they're fine i'm not like oh my god they they revolutionized the uh, series they're fantastic but they're fine they're fine. No, they're no. not fine. <laughs> okay. And Superstar Saga especially was such a iconic RPG for me just because of how wacky it was. Definitely wacky, yeah. It's it's wacky <laughs> as anything. And, I mean, playing that prompted me to play Legend of the Seven Stars and Legend of the Seven Stars as 
as odd as Legend of the Seven Stars looks at times, it is a fantastic RPG with a lot going for it. You know, there's a lot of mini games in that that game, whether it be um, running down a river or brawling down a mountain. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a whole bunch of just a whole bunch of mini games and references too. You know, there's Samus and Link sleeping in a bed there in a hotel, and you try to talk to them and. Not much happens, but... Yeah. And I also think Partners in Time probably lumps in as well, like, as really good. I'd heard pretty average things going on later on in the series, but for those three games, at least, in that line, they were definitely some of my favourite Mario spin-off games. Mario Hoops 3-on-3, just for the fact that I had a fun time with it, and I could get random Final Fantasy characters like Cactuar for no reason. Yeah. That was that was fun. Yeah. What else? I, re- I reckon... Strikers more- as well. There yeah. you go. I love That's Strikers too. My, my my favorite would be Mario Kart. I've grown up with it, loved it, playing playing multiplayer, and it'd be one of those games where I just don't get sick of it as well. I just keep playing it and playing it and playing it. And uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe is uh, evolved into the point where it's uh, just awesome. I don't have much bad things to say about that game apart from I want more courses, <laughs> some more DLC would be good. Yeah, but Stealth, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. I know you're a busy man and you've got to go, so I won't keep you any longer. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, uh, where can people find you if they want to sort of hear more from you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Stealth40k. And, you know, I just wanted to say thanks for having me on. Um, and this was a lot of fun. We'll have to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a little bit rust just because of uh, time commitments and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, yeah, I'll uh, I'll see you around the... Uh, the Twitters. Thanks. Thanks for having me on again, guys. No worries. Bye. Thank you. No problem. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to The House of Mario, episode 87. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on your podcast service of choice and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I am at iDruby. Bryce is at IVRevan. And the show is at The House of Mario. If you'd like to talk with us in our Discord community, there is an invite in the show notes below. And, of course, we are a part of the 8-Bit Collective. 10 plus Australian podcasts and now one American one bringing you awesome audio content to your ears and this week's Nintendo jukebox is Little Ghost by Rhymecraft until next week catch you later
those house of Mario boys better watch out, I will get my revenge and make them look like the silliest of billies.